Welcome to the Gallipod, with me, Gala Placidia. In this episode, I'm reading part 8 of my fic, Teenage Wasteland. Next week, along with the final part, I'll be releasing an interview with my brilliant Francesca about the representation of child abuse in the media, and some other stuff. She has a lot to say. The week after that, there won't be a fic episode, but I will be releasing a very cool interview with my friend Shibs about colonialism in fandom, and what it's like to be super into two British boys finding love if you're a woman of colour in an occupied territory. Both Shibs and Jaska are horribly intelligent, and I really hope you'll listen to what they have to say. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy Teenage Wasteland. Chapter 8 Adelaide appeared at Draco's elbow where he stood, staring after Harry's retreating form. Did he just tell you he loved you? She asked. Did you hear that too? I thought I must have misheard, said Draco. He's never said it before. Draco shook his head and closed the door. It was probably a mistake, he said. Adelaide rubbed her sore nose. You're smiling, she said. Draco immediately straightened his face. Sorry. You're in love with him, she said. Well, said Draco. Don't deny it. I was watching you two all afternoon. Every time I left the room, you went for each other. You're like head over heels in love with him. Draco held his right hand in his left, feeling the disparity of how it looked and how it felt the rough skin on the knuckles. But what did you think of him? He asked, his voice rather too quiet, rather too hopeful. Adelaide smiled at him. You have my blessing, she said, trying for a joke. But to Draco it could not have been more serious. He felt as if the joy would come bursting out of him. Thank you, he said. Adelaide nudged him with her shoulder, shy and affectionate. Draco glanced at the door. I'll be right back, he said. Adelaide's laughter followed him down the corridor. The apparition point wasn't far away, and Harry walked fast. It was freezing, the wind cutting straight through Draco's old wool jumper. He spotted Harry just as he was about to cross the street. Harry, he called out. Harry looked around, caught sight of him, and broke out into a sunny smile. He came forward to meet Draco, his hands reaching and then pulling back. Hey, he said. Draco knew he was smiling like an idiot, but he couldn't seem to stop. Love you too, he said. Ah, said Harry, laughing, a kind of exclamation of delight. I'm sorry I didn't mean to say it for the first time like that, I just sort of slipped out. Adelaide says that it's all right if we... Ah, said Harry again, then put his hands on Draco's chest. Ah, that, that's, that's so good. I've missed you like mad, said Draco and then Harry was speaking over him. God, I dreamt you were in bed with me the other night, and I turned over to touch you, and the bed was empty. I can't stop thinking about you. I think about you all the time, said Draco. Me too, I'm going mad. I was probably staring at you like an utter psychopath all afternoon. Draco's hands ran all over Harry's shoulders, found their way into his coat, crept under into the perfect warmth of his body. Harry tucked him close. I want to kiss you, said Draco. Harry laughed, sounding slightly unhinged. The street was relatively empty, but still the kiss was chaste, short. "'Can't you just sleep over?' asked Draco, even though that wasn't an option. "'You know I can't,' said Harry. "'Can't you just move in with me?' (laughs) "'Ha,' said Draco. "'Don't tempt me. God, you're so fucking good-looking. I just want to touch every inch of you.' And he tried, his hands roaming over Harry's chest, prying under Harry's scarf, touching his neck, his jaw. "'Do you have any idea how in love with you I am?' said Harry. "'Do you have any idea?' 
No, no, said Draco. No, you'll have to tell me. Come upstairs with me to my bedroom and tell me. You're terrible, you don't even mean that, said Harry. Draco looked up at his block of flats and saw. He buried his face in Harry's shoulder. She's watching us, he said. Harry looked up, saw Adelaide's face in the window, and gave a cheerful wave. Adelaide waved back. You should go, said Harry. We can't rush this. We have to think of her. I know, I know, I know, said Draco, clinging closer. Fuck, I feel like a teenager. I'm going to be thinking of you all night, I hope you realise, said Harry. Come by tomorrow, said Draco. And then tomorrow night? No, said Harry. No, we're taking things slow, remember? I'll see you three times a week until Adelaide's a bit more familiar. Draco made a small sound and kissed him. I love you, he said. Harry's laugh seemed to spill out of him. I love you too. This is insane. Can you imagine it's school? No, it makes no sense. None, said Draco. You should go, said Harry. I should go, agreed Draco, and came in for another kiss. Harry broke away and kissed his temple, his ear. I'm going. Wait, said Harry, and took off his scarf. Draco held it to his nose. It smells like you, he said. Give me your jumper, said Harry. This is childish, said Draco, but he took off his jumper and handed it to Harry. I don't care, said Harry. I don't want to let you out of my sight. This is a poor substitute. Draco grinned. Is it a wolf thing? No, you twat, it's a you thing, said Harry. They kissed again. Draco shivered in the cold, and Harry insisted he take his coat. This is stupid, said Draco, sinking his arms into the Harry-warmed sleeves. I'll see you soon, said Harry. Okay. I love you, said Draco, only because he wanted to hear Harry say it again. It felt so new and mad and unlikely. Harry took his face in his hands. I love you, Draco, he said, kissed him once more, and then walked away, arms wrapped around himself. That was adorable, said Adelaide, when Draco got back. You're a horrid little peeping Tom, said Draco. Is that his coat? Draco smiled as he shrugged it off. I was cold, he insisted. Adorable, said Adelaide. Fiona's going to be so disappointed. I think she wanted to lose her virginity to you. Draco shivered, but he was still smiling. He thought this might just be his face now. Crazed with joy. Adelaide did not come to church with him the next morning. He hadn't expected her to. He had gone every week since Hermione first brought him, had grown to know the hymns and prayers, to understand when he was expected to sit or stand or kneel. The fourth time he had gone, he had made eye contact with an elegant mother who always sat in the second-to-last pew with her husband and teenage son. She smiled at him, shook his hand during the piece. The next week it happened again. The week after that, Draco sat next to her. Cookie. She introduced herself. Draco, said Draco. I hate to see you sitting all alone every week, she said. I don't mind, said Draco. I'm only here for the music, really. And the service began. Over time, he learnt that her real name was Griselda, but everyone called her Cookie. Her husband was named Archie and their sulky, handsome teenage son was called Sebastian. Cookie explained about the bread and the wine explained, with a slightly bemused expression as she realised the depths of Draco's ignorance, about Jesus, the cross, the resurrection. Draco didn't question it too much. He had seen Harry come back from the dead, after all. The morning after Harry told Draco he loved him, Draco sat next to Cookie in the second-to-last pew and daydreamed his way through the service. "'Won't you come to lunch with us?' asked Cookie, as the organ played and the priest made his way down the aisle. "'I have to go back to my sister,' 
said Draco. Bring her along, said Cookie. Draco glanced at Sebastian. He looked about seventeen. He wore the disgusted air of a young man battling humiliation with scorn. Draco was familiar with that look. A few weeks ago, Sebastian had said to him, during the piece, I don't believe in all this shit, you know. I only come because Dad takes us out to lunch after, and I like lunch. Draco texted Adelaide, Want to come have lunch with me and some church people? Lol, really selling it there, Draco. Why would I do that? Free lunch? I do like lunch. Perhaps in an attempt to scandalise Draco's new church friends, Adelaide showed up at the restaurant in her most punk rock attire. Hair flaming pink. Was that a nose ring? Heavy black boots, a leather skirt, eyes raccoonish with eyeliner. Sebastian gazed at her in open-mouthed admiration. Adelaide, this is Seb, said Draco. Don't call me that, said Sebastian. He held out his hand. Adelaide swept a cool look over him before putting out her hand. Sebastian. Adelaide, she said. You two don't look related, said Sebastian, glancing at Draco. He appeared to have revised his opinion of Draco, whom he had hitherto thought was a hopeless loser. We're not, said Adelaide, sinking into the chair next to Sebastian at the table and smiling at Cookie and Archie as Draco introduced her. Draco said you were his sister, said Sebastian. Adelaide looked at Draco, who shrugged. I am, she said. Not by blood. Draco smiled into his water glass. He managed to listen to what Cookie and Archie said through lunch just enough so that he wasn't actually rude, all the while eavesdropping on Sebastian and Adelaide. Sebastian, thank God, was playing hard to get. Clever boy, thought Draco. Adelaide started the meal at the height of icy haughtiness, but by pudding she was laughing, trying to make Sebastian laugh. Succeeding in places. We must do this again next week, said Cookie. I'd love to, said Draco. Next to him. Sebastian was putting his number into Adelaide's phone. Sebastian seems a bit unfriendly, said Draco, as they walked home. You don't know him, said Adelaide. Draco hugged his coat close to him. He didn't know Sebastian, of course, but he liked what he saw. A boy who spent time with his parents, who had looked at Adelaide when she came into the restaurant as if she was the most perfect creature he'd ever seen. A boy who sulked through an hour church service once a week because he was quite keen on lunch. Adelaide spent the evening on the sofa, texting a secret smile on her face. Harry showed up at Draco's work every day that week. Aren't you famous? asked Cynthia. Harry flustered and fussed. Well, sort of, only I, because... Horribly famous, said Draco. That's what I thought, said Cynthia, then moved on to other, more interesting topics, like rye bread's superiority over sourdough. Harry came over to Draco's flat on Tuesday. Tasha and Ellie and Fiona were in the sitting room with Adelaide, and when Draco poked his head in, Adelaide shrieked. Christ, said Draco, clapping his hands over his ears. Let him come in, said Fiona. No, said Adelaide. Go away, Draco, we're talking about sex. No fear, said Draco, making a hasty exit. He and Harry ended up snogging against the fridge for the better part of an hour, until Fiona interrupted. Oh, she said, standing horror-struck in the doorway. You have a boyfriend. Hi, I'm Harry, said Harry. Fiona looked heartbroken. Are you guys hungry yet? asked Draco. I was going to order something in. So it's pretty serious with you two? asked Fiona. Harry wrapped an arm around Draco's waist, cluelessly sappy. Yeah? he said, kissing the side of Draco's head. I'd say so. Cool, that's wow, cool, said Fiona, and left. Weird kid, said Harry. She's all right, said Draco, loyally.
The second time Harry came over that week was when Draco was teaching Adelaide Defence Against the Dark Arts. Draco had known it was a bad idea to have him over. It made him nervous and tongue-tied to have Harry watching him. But Harry had asked so hopefully, had said, I know, I just miss you. So Draco had given in. Adelaide was bored and unaccommodating. Do we have to do this? she asked. Can't you and Harry just go and, like, cuddle all revoltingly in the kitchen or something? Yes, we have to do this, said Draco. You're a witch, however much you like to avoid it. Can I just... said Harry. Draco and Adelaide both turned to look at him. He was sprawled on the sofa, flicking through the second-year defence textbook. What? asked Adelaide. Just... said Harry, looking at Draco. Dispelling Cornish pixies. I get that it's in the curriculum, but it's not all that relevant to her life, is it? We're behind, said Draco, instantly defensive. He had done his best, and he knew it wasn't good enough. That Adelaide was recalcitrant. He doubted whether there was anything he could have done to... Do you mind if I... asked Harry, setting the textbook down and getting to his feet. Draco hesitated for a moment, then gave up. Oh, sure, he said. Fine, whatever you want. He flopped onto the sofa. Adelaide looked at Harry as if he was some new enemy to vanquish. I was wondering, said Harry, and he was watching Adelaide now, only Adelaide, his entire being focused on her. If there was any spell you ever wished you knew. Draco makes my hair potions, said Adelaide. Harry moved slowly, as though she were wild and he wanted to tame her. When I was a kid, my aunt and uncle used to lock me in a cupboard for ages, sometimes. Days and days. What? said Draco. What the fuck? Harry ignored him. And I just used to wish I could unlock that door, or at least turn on a light. So for me, Alohomora and Lumos were so exciting to learn, he said. Is there anything like that for you? Adelaide looked sceptical, except her eyes were a little too wide. She was interested. Yeah, but you were eleven when you learned those, she said. Can you think of anything like that, though? asked Harry. When you were younger, did you ever wish you could defend yourself, maybe? Slowly, Adelaide nodded. Have you studied Protego yet? asked Harry. It's too advanced, said Adelaide. No, it's not, said Harry. You can do it. Draco, do you mind? Be my guest, said Draco weakly. What followed was a masterclass in defence, in teaching, and in trust. By the end of the hour, Adelaide was casting a shield charm so powerful that it made Draco feel frankly insecure. Harry kept laughing and saying, That's it, you've got it, that's incredible. And Adelaide was flushed and happy. Can we learn something else? she asked, even though it was seven, at which point she usually collapsed on the floor and refused to do any more. Yeah, said Harry, looking like the Harry that Draco remembered from school, driven and determined, optimistic. Have you done Stupefy? That's the one you used on Sam? she asked. Yeah, comes in handy, said Harry. Do you think it's too advanced? asked Adelaide, uncertainly. Are you kidding? You learnt that shield charm faster than most new auras. You're very good at this. Adelaide looked up through her hair. I am? Yes, said Harry, which would have been touching, had it not been immediately followed by Harry announcing that Draco would serve as Adelaide's guinea pig. Harry pulled the sofa cushions out and made Draco stand in front of them and directed Adelaide to stun Draco, over and over, until she had got the hang of it. You should teach me instead of Draco, Adelaide told Harry, after Draco had refused point-blank to be stunned another time. Yeah? said Harry, with a quick glance at Draco. And Draco realised that Harry wanted to. He really, really wanted to. You should, 
said Draco. Harry paused and putting the sofa cushions back. Yeah, all right, he said. I could probably do charms as well, but you'd better stick to Draco for potions. Oh, who cares about potions? Can you teach me to fly? You can't fly. Draco curled into himself, suddenly miserable. I wasn't sure what to take her, he said. People are inhospitable on the public pitch. Harry reached for his shoulder at the same time as Adelaide. He and Adelaide both pulled their hands back. Sorry, said Harry. Sorry, you... He gestured at Draco, and Adelaide looked a little embarrassed, but put one arm around Draco's shoulder, kissed him softly on the cheek. She did that sort of thing so rarely. Only when she was happy. We can fly in the garden at Grimmauld, said Harry. Any time. Is that where you live? It sounds terrible, said Adelaide. It isn't, said Draco, and Harry gave him a desperate look. Later, long after Harry had left, Draco found a handwritten note in the pocket of his jeans that said, I can't wait to live with you. He wasn't even sure how Harry had put it in there without him noticing. He folded and unfolded it, reading it too many times, until it made both too little and too much sense. He fell asleep with it in his hand. It was a frustrating way to be deliriously happy. Harry knew love didn't stay at this pitch forever, that one day it would no longer feel like a terrible ordeal to go to bed without Draco. But for now it was dreadful and perfect at once. I wake up all restless in the night, he told Draco, in one of their stolen hours. Draco started putting a strand of his hair in Harry's weekly potion, which helped, but didn't stop Harry from waking up in the night, alone and lonely and frightened. What of? asked Draco. Adelaide was in the sitting room with her friends. Harry secretly wished Draco would take him to his bedroom, but Draco never suggested it, so Harry didn't either. Of... of it not, said Harry, faltering. Adelaide likes you, said Draco. It just feels like a long time until we can... fall asleep together. Mmm, said Draco, kissing Harry's jawline. It does. Sleep over. No, said Harry. Don't you want to? Stop it, said Harry. That's not fair, you know how much I want to. The door opened. They sprang apart. Ugh, said Adelaide. All you two do is neck. It was true that Adelaide liked Harry. Ever since he had taken over teaching her, she had flourished. He had never seen anything like it. She practised for hours and hours. She never seemed to tire of learning. She practically vibrated with pleasure at the slightest praise, and it spurred her on and on. At this rate you could apply to one of the Oxbridge colleges, he told her. To do English? No, defence, said Harry. Adelaide frowned. But, she said, I thought wizards just married their first sweetheart and had kids and worked for the government. Uh, said Harry, thinking of, more or less, everyone he knew. Yeah, okay, they do do a lot of that. But you can go to university to study magic. And the Oxbridge programmes are good because they're more assimilated with the muggle world. Adelaide looked thoughtful and changed the subject. Draco didn't stay for the lessons anymore. At first he had sat in the corner, scribbling formulas in a notebook and absent-mindedly chipping in when Harry mentioned something about potions. She can be a bit nervy around strange men, he explained. But after a few weeks it was apparent that Draco's presence was superfluous. Adelaide was slightly anxious around Harry, but only because she wanted to impress him so badly. She insisted that Harry come with them to the shelter when they picked out Shark. Not that anyone listened to Harry, of course. He immediately went for the prettiest dog in the shelter a sleek white thing with a long, noble nose and soft, elegant ears. 
No way, said Adelaide when Harry showed her. That's a stuck-up dog. She's a dog. She can't be stuck-up, said Harry. No, I agree, said Draco, hand on his chin. That dog is conceited. She thinks she's better than us, said Adelaide. Draco and Adelaide both spotted Shark at the same time, as if they had recognised him. Shark, said Adelaide. Oh, Sharky, cried Draco, and the pair of them kneeled in front of the most mangy, hideous beast Harry had ever seen. He's perfect, said Adelaide. I love him, said Draco, with heartfelt sincerity. His teeth are fucked, said Harry. Do you reckon he can even chew? Shark's underbite was... dramatic. What's wrong with you? said Adelaide. He's a darling little dog. Come here, Sharky. We're taking you home, said Draco. By the time Harry realised he loved Adelaide, it was too late to do anything about it, even though it worsened his fears that everything would end somehow, that someone, maybe him, would do something to fuck it up before it had properly started. Loving Adelaide meant that he loved Draco's family, which was hard, because Harry only ever got to love other people's families from the outside. He never got to be part of them. Harry was a little late one afternoon. Ron and Hermione had had a fight, and Harry had spent two hours trying, very mildly, to convince Ron he had been a prat, only for Ron to suddenly realise it himself and go rushing home. When he got to Draco's, Harry was tired, and a little grumpy. No one came to the door when he knocked, but he could hear voices inside, so he let himself in with a lohomora. He really needed to increase the security on Draco's flat, and went to the kitchen. Shark cowered under the table. He was very wary of Harry. It was one of the few things that reminded Harry there was something wrong with him. Draco was pale and hard-eyed. Adelaide stood a few feet away, her fine features twisted in an expression of derision. Neither of them noticed Harry in the doorway. "'As if he care as if,' said Adelaide, slurring her words slightly. "'There's no sense in talking about this now,' said Draco. "'I'm going out,' said Adelaide. Draco laughed. "'You're not going anywhere.' "'I wish you were dead,' said Adelaide, her words slick with venom. "'I wish Tertius had killed you.' Draco took a small step backwards, blinked. "'I take it we're not doing class today?' asked Harry lightly. "'Hurry,' said Draco, and all but fell into his arms. For one small moment, for only a matter of seconds, Harry held him, and Draco clutched at his neck. Then he stepped away. "'The clinic said relapses were quite normal,' he said. "'That clinic was bullshit,' said Adelaide. "'I'm fine. If I was twenty-five, no one would think twice.' Draco raised his eyes to the ceiling and moved his lips silently. A prayer, Harry suspected. Then Draco went to Adelaide and touched her head. It will always worry me when you get drunk alone in your room, he said. Come on, Harry's here. Let's... let's watch a film. You don't want me, she said, tears springing to her eyes. Neither of you. You only want each other. Darling, said Draco, pulling her into a hug. That's mad. That's completely wrong. Adelaide hid her face in his shoulder and sobbed. Draco looked over her head at Harry, mouthed sorry. Should I go? Harry mouthed back. Draco shook his head. After a minute, Harry came to stand by them. I doubt I'd even like Draco if you weren't around, said Harry. What will we have to talk about? Adelaide laughed, still not lifting her head. Nothing, said Draco. Do you have any idea how boring Potter is? Do you want me to go? Harry asked her. No said Adelaide. Her voice was muffled. Stay. If it had been the Weasleys, Harry reflected, they wouldn't have wanted him to witness their dysfunction. They loved him. They wanted him to belong. But they were embarrassed when he was there for their worst moments. I'd be so lonely without you, 
Draco was saying, in a low voice, hands rubbing up and down Adelaide's back. I'd miss you so much. We're family. We're all we've got. Adelaide made a small noise and nodded. Did you have a bad day at school? asked Draco. Adelaide gulped. The owner said I could live with her when you move in with Harry, she said. Oh, said Draco. What a sweet little idiot that girl is. I'm not moving anywhere without you, Adelaide. He lifted her head up so that he could meet her eyes. Adelaide, I'll probably end up following you to university. You'll be begging me to leave. I'll be lurking around your dorms, reminding you how to do laundry. Adelaide swallowed hard, then looked at Harry. It's true, said Harry, struggling a little to speak. No plans. Not for the next few years. Adelaide picked the film, a truly bizarre tale of sexy sad women working at a bar in New York. Draco looked dourly resigned when she announced it, and said, Well, Harry, I hope you like poorly constructed plot and thin dialogue. Adelaide sat in between them, smelling faintly of rum, shark drooling adoringly on her lap. Draco rested his cheek on the armrest and promptly fell asleep. Right, so why can't she just sing on stage? asked Harry. She has stage fright, said Adelaide. Right, right, said Harry. And then, ten minutes later, This is a bad film. Adelaide didn't look at him. I love Draco, she said. I know, said Harry, carefully. He's a good person. I know, said Harry, again. Adelaide glanced at him. Was that true about your aunt and uncle? Harry nodded. So you didn't really have much family, she said. No, said Harry. They looked at each other. I always wanted it. Her lips drew up in a tiny smile. Yeah, me too, she said. But you have it now, said Harry. She leant over and brushed a strand of hair out of Draco's face. He shifted sleepily and mumbled. Yeah, she said. I guess so. Harry didn't see either of them again until that weekend, when Draco showed up unannounced with Adelaide at Grimmauld Place. Have you got a broom she could borrow? he asked, as Harry bustled around the kitchen, getting them glasses of lemonade. She can use my firebolt, said Harry. I've only got one broom, though. It's painful to think that you have no idea how spoiled you are, Draco told Adelaide. I don't think I've ever even touched a firebolt. Adelaide yawned. Draco turned to Harry, outraged. Do you see, he said, do you see her callous disregard for Quidditch? Gone, it's so boring, said Adelaide. Flying is cool without turning it into a fucking team sport. Harry guided them out into the garden before they could bicker any more. He had predicted that Adelaide would be a decent flyer, because she was in good shape, and she was reckless. She kicked off from the ground fearlessly, and although she was a bit wobbly on the turns, she had the makings of a pretty decent flyer, given that she was coming to it so late. Harry shouted instructions at her as she flew. Draco sat on the garden bench, following Adelaide's every move with a rather nervous set to his mouth, his wand out. When she grew tired and landed, Draco came to look at the firebolt. May I? he asked Harry, touching the wood reverently. It's been years. Go for it, said Harry, and Draco took off into the sky, flying with a dizzy carelessness that reminded Harry how young Draco still was. It was easy to forget that. Harry and Adelaide sat on the bench, drinking the lukewarm lemonade and watching Draco whiz around. It was a cool day, but dry, and the air smelled clean. Thanks for being chill, she said, about the other day. No 
problem, said Harry. Then he shifted to face her. Did you apologise to him yet? Apologise? asked Adelaide, her face closing up. For what? For what you said, about wishing Tertius had killed him. Oh, that, said Adelaide, dismissively. Draco doesn't care. I say that sort of shit to him all the time. Harry knew he was overstepping, but he couldn't let it go. He does care, he said. It hurt his feelings. Adelaide frowned. Did he, like, say something? No. But I was there, I saw. He doesn't care, said Adelaide again. Seriously, you just don't get our relationship. Draco did a loop-the-loop and gave a loud cry like a bird of prey. Maybe, said Harry. You probably know him better than I do. Does Draco seem to you like someone who isn't hurt when the people he loves are cruel to him? Adelaide's frown deepened. It's none of your business, she said. Okay, said Harry. Maybe you're right. I think it would mean a lot to him if you apologised. Draco, shouted Adelaide. Stop hogging the broom, it's my turn again. She didn't speak to Harry for the rest of the afternoon, was sullen and distant with him. It frightened Harry. What if she changed her mind about him, told Draco she didn't want Harry to come round anymore? But all the same, he felt he'd done the right thing. Draco needed someone in his corner. When Harry brought Draco lunch at work that Monday, Draco was irrepressibly cheerful. Cynthia caught wind of a good smell and went off to investigate. Something quite lovely happened, said Draco, once she was gone. Adelaide apologised to me. Oh? asked Harry, adjusting the lettuce on his sandwich with focused care. Does she not, usually? No, she, she does, sort of. It's usually a bit abstract and indirect, though. This time... He fell silent, head to one side. This time? She apologised for hurting my feelings, if you'd believe it, said Draco. Huh, said Harry. I said, don't worry about it. She said, have I hurt your feelings like that before? Draco cast Harry a sly look. I said, normally only when you're drunk. That got her. Harry laughed. Sneaky, he said. True, though, said Draco, frowning. She says such awful things when she's been drinking. I can't forget them afterwards. When I can't sleep at night, I... Harry nuzzled his head against Draco's shoulder. I'm glad she apologised, he said. That was thoughtful of her. I know, said Draco. It really was. I didn't expect it. I didn't need it. But it was lovely. Adelaide was perfectly friendly that afternoon when Harry came to teach her stinging hexes, as if nothing had changed between them, and Harry dared hope again. I was thinking of dyeing my hair, said Adelaide. Hmm, said Draco, head bent over a proof at the kitchen table. Adelaide was making moussaka. Blonde, I was thinking, she said. All right, said Draco absently. I'll make something up. What shade? Adelaide set a pan of bechamel sauce to the side. Yours, she said. Draco looked up. Adelaide's roots were showing, mousy brown. She had a bit of sauce on her nose. Mine? You want to dye your hair my colour? People never think we're related, she said, then turned quickly around. Draco's eyes dropped sightlessly to his notebook. I'll make something up, he said. He worked for hours on that hair potion, hours and hours. He expanded his research, looked into muggle chemicals, 
into keratin conditioners and silicon treatments and moisturising oils to counter the stripping agents of the potion. When Adelaide washed it out in the bath, Draco holding the shower head as he always did, and drying her with his wand when she was done, his hard work was immediately apparent. Adelaide's hair was soft, healthy, icily blonde. It looked natural, as if it grew straight out of her head like that, Malfoy white. Is it okay? she asked. You look weird. Is it terrible? No, said Draco. No, it, it looks good. Adelaide went to the mirror and stilled. Draco stood next to her. Their mirror images stared back at them, both blonde and tall and slender. Neither of them spoke for a moment. We look, she said. I know. Another pause. Adelaide touched a strand of her hair, reverent. We're hot, she said. Family trait, said Draco. She dipped her head so that it rested on his shoulder, and they stood a little longer like that, watching themselves. You seem happier, said Kevin. It probably won't last, said Draco hurriedly. Why do you say that? Because, well, I don't know, it probably just won't, said Draco. Some scientists believe the only surefire way to increase mental well-being is to invest time in personal relationships, said Kevin. Draco always perked up when Kevin mentioned scientists. Draco had no idea what they did, but it seemed very impressive. And? It feels as if you've been investing more time in your personal relationships lately, said Kevin. It's been nice having Pansy back, admitted Draco. He and Pansy met up once a week for drinks when Adelaide was at Tasha's house. Draco now always called Tasha's mother to verify this claim. Kevin waited. And Jacques made a difference, added Draco. He's a cheerful little thing. Kevin waited. And Adelaide hasn't had another relapse, so that's a weight off my mind, said Draco, conclusively. I suppose between all that, my outlook is... What about Harry? Draco couldn't stop the helpless smile. He never could, whenever anyone brought up Harry. It went further than that, actually. Ellie had mentioned Prince Harry the other day, and Draco had grinned like an idiot, because that was Harry's name. Yeah, that's going all right, he said. Would you say you feel more secure with regards to his affections now? Draco slouched down on the sofa. Is that poster new? he asked. Kevin swivelled to look where Draco pointed. A black poster with Helvetica words. Love is two unperfect people refusing to give up on each other. No, said Kevin. In fact, in one of our first sessions together, you told me that poster was irresponsibly stupid. Draco made a face. Sorry. Well, in fairness, it's quite a toxic message, really. Also, is unperfect a word? I don't think it is. Shouldn't it be imperfect? You made that point last time, said Kevin. Did I? Draco paused. Why do you bring it up? Oh, said Draco. Because, I don't know. It caught my eye. It seemed less abhorrent than the rest of your decor. Only briefly. Is that the only font they had? Do you think Harry will give up on you? Asked Kevin, irritatingly perceptive as always. Draco pulled eight tissues out of the tissue box and folded them neatly, saving them for later. Kevin always bought the posh tissues, and Draco always stole them. No, he answered, finally. I think he loves me. That was part eight of Teenage Wasteland, written and read by Gallup Tune in next week for part nine and the bonus episode with my Francesca. 
don't forget to join my newsletter at newsletter.gallopod.com. This newsletter, I think I will be sending out some original writing, so uh, be nice. Um, If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app, and why not share it with a friend who you think will like the show? I also have an Instagram at letthemeatbook with underscores instead of spaces where I post reviews of the books I read. So say hello on there. Thank you for listening.